Hello, I'm James Wrigley and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, for those of you that have listened to the previous few episodes, you might have noticed there's been a bit of a break between the last one and this one. Apologies for that, it's me just being slack in not uh, getting it ready to publish. So here we go for this week's episode. I'm joined by Nitai, uh, who I sit down with and we talk at length about family business, in particular succession. Nitai has a wealth of knowledge in this space. I've really got a lot of time for Nitai. If you ever get the chance to meet with him, sit down with him, or attend one of his events, I highly recommend you do. If you have any interest in family business and family business succession, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. We're on, we're live. Should work. We'll come up on the phone in a minute. Um, if anyone's there, thanks for tuning in. Um, got another guest along for another live uh, video this morning. Uh, Nitai, I came across or somehow managed to be invited to an event that you ran uh, here in Melbourne uh, a couple of months back, um, which was really, really kind of sparked a lot of the content and the videos that I've put out of late around around small business and family succession and issues and things like that. Uh, I reached out to Nitai to see uh, if he would be so kind to come along and just have a chat uh, with me uh, about the space that he kind of works in, uh, the challenges and successes and all the rest of it that um, that founders can have in moving on from, from a business. Um, and so you've kindly uh, taken some time out of your day to come along and, and join and thank me. Thank you so for inviting me. That's very kind. Yeah. Yeah. I do like your content a lot. So. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to maybe start with, if you can just give a bit of an intro about yourself and kind of the, a bit of the backstory about how you've gotten to where you are now and what it is that you're actually actually doing uh, in, in this space. Sure. So I am, I am an immigrant to this country, the best country in the whole world. I started my career as a lawyer in private equity before the global financial crisis. And then um, uh, whether it's naivety or, or stupidity, I started to uh, form the private equity firm at the global financial crisis. Mm. And, uh, like have it, we were very successful. We bought nine businesses when I was there, nine businesses uh, in, in that firm. And then I continued my path into private equity. I've been doing it for a long time now. Uh, in around 2017, I decided to move away from uh, private equity as a fund manager. Mm -hmm. I, as I'm sure you already know, James, against uh, the way the fees are structured in the fund manager world. And that's led to Conic Heritage. And Conic Heritage is a holding company based here in Australia. We're backed by family offices and high net worth individuals, and we buy uh, particular businesses uh, across Australia. Mm. Uh, we are value investors. We don't leverage our investments. We're very conservative in nature. Mm. We don't sell businesses that we buy, and we're essentially there to uh, protect the capital of our shareholders and to enhance the legacy of uh, the founder, the businesses that we buy. Mm. And that's how succession coming to it. Yeah. And so the, the types of businesses that you're, that you're acquiring, they're typically family businesses that have been 10 15 20 years in correct yeah correct so we don't we don't participate in corporate buyouts or when a corporate sell a division or anything like that we don't participate in auctions we don't participate in processes most of the businesses we buy are by family businesses that would be there for 20 30 40 even 60 years yep. and it's when the founder is looking for succession but still want to preserve some of the equity or the upside uh, in the business or sometimes they want to get out in a period of time yeah so most of them are not for sale and they just approach us or we approach them and say hey 
yeah. how about we we partner together yeah, i was going to say how do you how do you come across these businesses i've had done similar kind of interviews with a yeah. couple of other people in, in yeah. the last few months and i had someone on earlier on a uh, daniel gold that he just got a phone call out of the blue and someone offered to to buy his business um joel was on a little while back and he went through a, a broker to, to 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 sell his how is it that you come across the businesses in the first place so you know the theory i use is the sausage factory <laughs> you don't want to see how it's made but, but you get the sausage at the end of the of the day if that's a bad analogy uh, but the truth of the matter is it depends yeah sometimes it will come from um business broker networks yeah. sometimes from accountants from lawyers who deal with the family businesses already but most of the times will come through our own internal network who would say hey i have a cousin i have a friend my father-in-law wants to sell the business mm -hmm. and how, that's how we get those introductions yeah. uh, to people who are considering the next steps usually it happens when they have a, a life event and because those entrepreneurs are incredible in nature, they, they think they can go forever. Yeah. And they probably could if, if health was was good. So what we see is two things. One, they either get a health scan, yeah. unfortunately, or the first grandchild come along and then there's a lag of a year or so. And then they're, they're ready to, to let go. And then they're being introduced to us and we take them through the journey of uh, the succession mm. for the business. And so that's that's quite a length of time between absolutely when you first when you might have the, that first contact with someone correct I guess one to when you actually acquire the business and correct. then two correct and the founder actually lets go correct what type so, of time frame correct so again depends if it comes through a broker network or someone who is advising on a sale they're mentally prepared for a sale and that's yeah, why okay. they approach that advisor so that can take six months until we complete a, a transaction but in most instances they're not sure yet what the next steps are and with a lot of the founders they haven't sold a business or bought a business before so you need to educate them on the process of they sell you need to educate them what it means to let go a lot of them thinks they want to let go uh, but emotionally you're very it's like another child you're attached to the to the to the business it can take up to a year mm. between from the first coffee cup mm -hmm. and we never put pressure we never uh, force anything they need to be mentally ready to let go and we essentially partner with them and all the time give them the exit that they want if they want to exit yeah 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 so that's yeah. A, a length of time that you're say so do you do you go in and kind of manage the business from, from that point of view whilst the founder's still no. there or is it, is it like a complete change yeah no so so the way we do it is we're happy to meet as many times as they want and give them any advice that they want yeah. we don't charge for it there's no there's no yeah. fees in it if they are interesting in partnering with us we will uh, do a transaction. We usually buy a majority stake in the business to show that we walk the talk. Yeah. And with them, we'll work on a succession plan internally to move them from a day-to-day -day operation to a board position only. Okay. And then they have equity in the business, but still have a say yeah. on the direction because culture is very important. Yeah. And they usually drive the culture. Yeah. And, and so what are some of the challenges that you see with the founders that are kind of coming to terms with selling the business or or actually when they eventually walk away what are some of the challenges you see sure. there? so there's two challenges and and you touched on a very good point here there's the challenges before they go and after they go yep. so before they go they the biggest challenge is letting go yep because usually the culture is driven by them they they are the decision makers even though they may have a general manager or some sort of a, a hierarchy internally in the business they are often 
the final say in terms of what happens. So ability to delegate usually is, is challenging and, and they need to let go of that. And we, we take them through that process and educate them how to do it. So that's component number one before they're actually completely out of the business. Mm -hmm. But once they're out, what a lot of them from a psychological point of view don't realize is the business was the whole life for the last 30 yeah. years. And all of the passion and all the energy and they're incredible human beings in terms of the energy that they have to start a business from zero mm. and take it to a hero. Mm. But then when they're out of the business, the issue is what's next? And they're going to this spiral of the void of needing to feel, it's true, needing to feel uh, um, this whole energy, which doesn't die because he's 65 or 70 yeah. with something else. So I've seen a lot of uh, car renovations. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a lot of nice boats being built. Yeah. I've seen a lot of travel, yeah. uh, but there's always something uh, and we encourage them to find something that they're passionate about yeah. and they devote that energy to it. The void is very important. Otherwise they'll spiral down. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and we build it as part of our succession plan to help them. Yeah, to kind yeah. of hold their hand out the other side as well. Correct, yeah. correct. Because they still hold shares in the business if they want to. They still sit on the board. Yeah. And and we want them to be happy in what they do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so they're still yeah. remaining shareholder even after you've taken over yeah, majority so we, ownership. Correct. So we buy a majority stake in the business. Yeah. And then we give them the option okay. whether they want 100% out, usually over a period of two or three years, yeah. or whether they want to, to continue to hold shares in the business and be involved in the board level as a non-executive directors or whatever it is that they choose to do. Uh, and the main reason is this. Uh, early on in my career, I was a spreadsheet warrior. I was only looking at the spreadsheet and was always going out. What I underestimated is culture. Yeah. yeah. Whether you like it or not, culture drives profit. And the culture, surprise, surprise, is driven by the founder. Mm. That, that's just the reality of it. Yep. And you can't just take a founder out and expect the culture to stay. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. Mm. So by them getting involved, in the culture or have some link to the business that helps the business, but also enables them to get the further upside as we grow the business beyond the glass ceiling that they yeah, get. Okay. Yeah. 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 How roughly how many would stick around and how many would leave? Is it so the majority stay, the yeah, majority will yeah. keep a minority stake in the business. Yeah. Yeah. They do need the liquidity event to make sure that themselves, the children, the grandchildren, the grand grand grandchildren yeah. are well taken care of, uh, but they are still, whether they like it or not, emotionally attached to the business, and they do want to have some sense of uh, relationship with the business going forward mm -hmm. because that identity uh, embedded in the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we we we're more than happy to give them that yep. that ability. Can you maybe talk for for a minute or so about some of the stats around, like the the, the longevity of these businesses when they pass from one generation sure. to another? Um, just I guess the the number of the number of the number of families is probably the way to put it, more so than businesses, but the number of families that will be faced with these kind of events over the next kind of 10, 15 years as we have the whole baby boober generation moving yeah. on. Yeah. Th that's a fantastic question. Mm. So what Australians either understand or don't realise or not aware of is that nearly 60% of GDP come from middle market of Australia. Yeah, okay. That's, it's actually 57 point something. And a lot of those businesses are family businesses. In fact, in the world, 97% of all businesses are family businesses. In Australia, it's about 70%. Right? So what happens then is you have the, the natural discussion. What happens to this entrepreneur, which people were born from around 1946 to 64, that's the baby boomer generation mm. that you were referring to, and that getting all of them now, that's the middle market of Australia, or mainly the middle market of Australia, and now they're getting into the retirement age. Right? Yeah. And when you look at the statistics, as I'm sure you're aware of them, 70% of businesses fail 
in the second generation. So that means if you founded a business 20, 30 years ago and you wake up every morning from 5 a.m. to 8 o'clock at night, and if you're an entrepreneur, you know that that doesn't stop there. <laughs> it keeps through the night and, and you don't sleep. Uh, there's a likelihood of 70% that your son or daughter, if they choose to take the business, the business will cease to exist. And the statistic goes even worse when you go to generation three or generation four. So if it's 70% of generation two, it's about 90% failure rate in generation uh, three. Yep. And then 97% chance in by your grandchildren, you will, will it's not that the business will be smaller, it just, it ceases to exist. Yeah. For 40, 60 years you worked on a business, and it's gone. Just Your legacy is gone. And, and that's why the solution we're trying to bring is actually to carry that uh, forward. In fact, I named Conning Heritage. Mm. Conning means king, heritage means heritage. It's not about me, yeah. it's about the founder's heritage. Yeah, I gotcha. It's okay. like the heritage of the kingdom that he built. Yeah. We're there to preserve it. Yeah. So that's the statistics are against them. Mm. Yeah. Okay. The statistics are against them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and so they they come to you, you you buy part of their business, they get a big big fat check. What are the what are the the I guess the size of the businesses that you're typically looking at? So uh, we chose, you know, we deliberated a long time in terms of the size of the business that, that we want to buy. Mm. Uh, as I'm sure you know already, I'm a value investor, so mm. I'm looking for value investments to generate returns to my shareholders. But also I'm conservative in nature, so we don't leverage, we don't do all of those uh, silly buggers that perhaps other people think is acceptable, <laughs> not in my world, uh, Blue Sky, for example, and others, yeah. which I won't mention the names. Yeah. So what it means there, we need to then focus on areas where we can generate a return, but we don't pay too much for the for the businesses. Yeah. This is just pure mathematics. So the area we focus on is enterprise values of around 20 million, 25 million. There are about 10 to 25 is probably a sweet spot. We'll do a little bit bigger. Uh, maybe a little bit smaller if it's a bolt-on acquisition, yeah. because the 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 reality is is that founders in that sphere of business sizes mm. don't have solutions. Mm. If you have a two hundred and fifty million dollar uh, business, that means that you're likely to have buyers, national corporates, big private equity firms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you run a shop that is valued at around a million dollars, you also have a solution. A mommy and daddy investor can buy you. They'll take a mortgage on the house and buy you. But when it comes to fifteen million dollar investment, that's where the trouble comes. And if you, as a founder, you actually don't have too many buyers. Yeah, you're too small for the big guys. Mm. And you're too big for the small guys. Might so, get a couple of ASX businesses maybe buying you as a bolt-on, but potentially, it, yeah. potentially, yeah, yeah, potentially. But usually, it's very hard. Yeah, huh? yeah it's very, very hard. And and to me, it, it's I feel quite emotional when I talk about it because these guys work for 20, 30 years to build this business, and they just don't have the natural solutions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's what the value exists mm. for people like us to come in, hold hands, and say, hey. We can make this business bigger. By the way, here is a check. You are now your family is safe, mm. and you can still participate in the upside should you choose to. Mm -hmm. That's our mentality. That's how we do it. Yeah. And then, and then the solution out the other side. Do a lot of these people have relationships with accountants and advisors and those kind of things that that have held their hand through running right. the business to out the other side. So that they're, they're not. You spoke before about you kind of help them out the other side as well, but do they have a, like a panel of other advisors with them already? Yeah, so, so the lucky one does. Yeah. yeah. Usually what I see, and, and I hope a lot of them will have financial advice mm. like yourself because you obviously care about them very much. The truth of the matter is they would usually have the, the accountant or the lawyers 
the same kind of lawyers that when they started a business 25 years ago. And, and it's fine, right? Yeah. But there need to be a shift in the thinking because now you have 10 million, 20 million, whatever the amount will be, and you need to shift from becoming uh, a pure operational company man to an investor. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them don't necessarily know what to do with those funds. Mm -hmm. And they either don't do anything, they just put it in the bank because they're afraid, or they'll buy a property because they think, I bought a house before, I can, I'm a great property investor. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of them goes to, to um, shall I call it, pretend advisors that perhaps more motivated by fees than the yeah. actual success of them. So yeah. again, the lucky ones will have good advisors, good yeah, accountants, okay. good lawyers, but, and some of them too. Yeah. Uh, but if you are a manufacturing business in rural Victoria or rural New South Wales, you probably don't have the advisors that you should be having post acquisition. Mm. So in, in my experience, I've, some that I've come across um, haven't necessarily turned out to yeah. be clients, but but they kind of go from being incredibly busy running the business and and, and, and then try to fill the void thereafter Correct. of trying to be busy with their money. Correct uh, is, is something that Correct. something that I see. Whereas that should almost be boring. The, Correct the, the money part. So I guess for those that are a bit older and have got grandkids and all of those kind of things, there might be something that they can very quickly move on and and, and fill their time with. Um, but I guess, have, have you seen, or I, I suppose I've seen, and I imagine you probably have as well, you get people that, yeah, as I said, try to be busy with their money and then end up blowing it on stuff. They think they're going to be a, you know, an angel investor or they're going to be this, they're going to be that, and all of a sudden millions of dollars have disappeared. I, I have, unfortunately, I have seen it all. Yeah. I have seen the Ferraris, I yeah. have seen the Lamborghinis, I have seen the Rivera boats. I have seen the Lava. I have seen, uh, you name it, we've seen it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where the education needs to come from early on. Yeah. And, and you touched on a very, very important point. A lot of them, they have this incredible energy. That's why the businesses are what they are. And that's why we're interested in them. The reality is they need good advice. You, you said the word boring. Yeah. yeah. The more boring an investment is, the more I am excited. I, I mean it. Yeah. I, I don't like the hypes of we'll make 3,000% returns. And a lot of people, now they have the time and money. Yeah, yeah, we are investors now. Yeah. We're going to do it. They need to do investments. And what they need to understand is to have great advisors like yourself. Mm -hmm. We advise them on boring investments. Yeah. Don't try and, and be the next gazillionaire with a $5 million or $1 million that you have because you're not going to be. Yeah. Yeah? The likelihood is, is this. Yeah. yeah? Preserve your capital. Capital preservation is something we're very big on. Yep. Preserve your capital, get a good return, set the values of what your family needs, what you need for the future, for your retirement, and just stick to it. Yep. Don't do anything silly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, that's probably about all that I had for, yeah. for this morning. So thanks for thanks for your time. Was there anything Thank else you. that you wanted to share? Final um, words? No, people? not particularly. I mean, just yeah. invest smart. That's the yeah. only words I have for people. Yeah. Invest smart. Don't fall into fallacies of great returns. Read the fee structures. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that someone has a big name doesn't mean that they're in your corner. Quite the opposite. Make sure you have great advisors. Invest boring, invest for returns, and invest for the long term. That's really, yeah. That's the advice I have for people. Okay. Yeah. And so if anyone's got any questions, there's, there hasn't been any, any questions really on the yeah. on the live um, thing there. Either reach out to me, reach out to Nita. I'm sure thank you're you. more than happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. Thank you. Um, thanks for watching. And thank you for having me. That's right. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, uh, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might be listening to this from. Uh, and even better still, tell a friend, spread the word. Uh, really only new to this. Uh, any support would be greatly appreciated. Thank you.